Good everyone, Wordo. This is season two, episode one. We our break wasn't as long as what we thought, but um, the blitz has come and gone. We're only a few days away from the NBL season. We've got a lot to talk about. How are you? I'm good, mate. Um, got withdrawals. I've got used to watching basketball every night, and uh, now that I'm not watching it at the moment, I've got withdrawals. But um, yeah. I, th- I thought the Gold Coast was a looked like an awesome place to hold the Blitz, and I know there's plenty being said about them continuing to do the Blitz going forward and trying to make it more of a summer league sort of atmosphere and maybe bring in a few different teams as well. But um, it brought back memories as well, uh, having the old uh, teal green around the court from the old Blaze days um, and seeing the old stadium again. Uh, but it looked looked like a, an awesome week for all that were there and all no, it was great. I, I got up there. I, I missed the first couple of days and, and got up on Monday. Uh, it, it's. I agree. If they have it there the next two or three years and maybe model themselves a little bit after the NBA Summer League, I don't think they can go far wrong. NBA scouts everywhere uh, at a year where we have more next start talent perhaps or at least next start interest than ever before. Um so what we wanted to do, and, and I was up at the games, I, I, yeah, we thought the best way to start this season was to start with an NBL flavour and, and touch on each team and our thoughts. We're not going to get into predictions and ladders and all that sort of thing, but it was really interesting seeing them in person and I'm interested in how they compare to what you saw on television. And I, I wanted to start with Adelaide. It's not alphabetical, but it's a team in front of me. And before I get into mine, and I've got some reasonably strong opinions on this one, how did you see the 36ers and how do you see them loading up for the season? I thought clearly they were the least well-prepared team at the Blitz. Um, I think they were confused and I'm confused. They, they they leave me wondering what direction are they heading in? Um, obviously, the strong reports that they've already fired an import. They've had the Trenton Flowers experiment already abandoned where they've tried to make him a point guard. But now they're looking to bring a point guard in when they've got Mitch McCarron and Jason Kadee on their roster already. And I've just got to... <sighs> I'm confused. There's no, there's no other way. I thought Isaac Humphreys looked good out there. It was nice to see him moving around and playing a bit like the last time he was at Adelaide when he was an MVP candidate. Um, good rim protection, a good low post target, but just disjointed. Lots of turnovers. I know it's the blitz, so we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, jump it. Conclusions, but if I was an Adelaide 36ers fan, uh, there would be alarm bells going off everywhere in my head of where this team is headed this season. I wrote this for, for News Limited. 
Adelaide's ability to compete will be, will be dependent on the import point guard they bring in after realising, like most NBA scouts and most of us already knew, that Trenton Flowers isn't a point guard. The 36ers will need to decide quickly whether they're committed to the, to the, the, the large role they've publicly promised Flowers or to winning. Um, they can't win with Trenton Flowers. It is that simple. He is by far the least prepared next star in the league this year. Um, he's got a bit of Daniel Joyce about him, where he's been thrusted into a position that I don't think suits him. He's not a point guard, but I sat behind his mum and his dad for a couple of the games. And if you think LeVar Ball's a problem as a parent, Trenton Flowers, I feel for the kid. There's not a possession that goes by that he's not sneaking eye contact at his dad and his dad's not directing him to do something that oftentimes is in polar opposite to what CJ Bruton has already asked. Um, When Trenton gets subbed off, There's the expressive body language as to why did you take him off the floor. When he has a dunk, when they're down 25, there's the, did everybody see that? That's incredible. That's amazing. It's such, oh, I'm I'm not even sure how to describe it other than I feel sorry for the kid. And he needs guidance from professional basketball people who have been around the game and not parents who I know love him and want the best for him but clearly have no idea. It's it's a really, really tricky situation. And to go back to your point, I don't understand the Adelaide 36's direction because they he, Trenton Flowers came out and publicly said, I've been handed the keys to this team to drive. Poor. there's a quote that a lot of people have used is here are the keys, don't drive the Ferrari off the cliff. The 36ers aren't a Ferrari, but he could drive the Kia Carnival off the cliff. Um, The point guard experiment's done. They've fired an importer already who, through no fault of his own, was positionally incorrect. And they will move and they need to move to bring in a scoring guard. And I agree that they've got Mitch McCarron and Jason Gaddy who can play, who can both play the point. But if you look around the league and you look at Bryce Cotton, Jalen Adams, even Daly, uh, some of the imports that we've brought in around the league, we've discussed it on this podcast a number of times, Mitch McCarron, either isn't able or isn't willing, and I'm not sure which one, to put himself in a position to be a 15 to 20 point a game player. They need that. And I think they've just realised that. And if they don't go there, they're going to find it really, really difficult to win games this year. I I don't think it's Flowers' fault. I think that's an important one. No, no, no. no. And I'm not saying that you were saying that it was. I feel like he's been put into a compromised position that doesn't help his stock as an NBL next star. I, I don't think he ever had stock as an NBA draft prospect. 
but here's the thing that we've said for a long uh, we've said it here but we've also said it more in private that NBL teams to a large extent have to make a choice. I love the Next Stars program. I love the uh, the eyes it's born on the league. I loved sitting in and amongst 20 plus NBA scouts. But if you're an NBL team and have promised a next star either a starting opportunity or a really significant opportunity, you are choosing that over winning a championship. You, you can't have both. No, you need to bring in a next star to help complement your team to give you an X factor. Right. Not to be given the keys to a team hoping that that is the key to success, so to speak. And Adelaide, so, Adelaide have... I feel I feel like the, the narrative has been around abandoning Trenton Flowers in the point guard role. I feel like Adelaide abandoned Mitch McCarron as a point guard, which you're paying a fair bit of money bringing him over from Melbourne United to be the leader of that team. Um, they've got a long way to go. Like we said, it's pre-season. A lot can change. A good import can make a hell of a difference to a team very, very quickly. Uh, let's see what CJ's got up his sleeve to uh, to put them back on the right path. But they are by far the furthest one away from the goalpost right now as we sit here today. We, we won't go over the entire list. Jamal Franklin's been released. Sunday Desh... What hasn't been what he has been in the past. Kadi, we know what he can do. You look through the list. Uh, Humphreys was their most consistent performer. Galloway, Marshall, Rigoni. Uh, it, it doesn't instill a lot of confidence. So I agree with you entirely. Um, on the flip side of that, they played against Perth. And I was there for the game that Perth were up 27-2 or something similar to that. And on the absolute flip side to Trenton Flowers. I mean, you've got Alex uh, who comes in off the bench, will be the highest drafted next star after this season's done, compliments the Wildcats, works his ass off on the defensive end, isn't trying to prove that he's someone that he's not and has a lot of patience about him. He has veterans around him, one of the best players in NBL history, Bryce Cotton. He's got Keanu Pinder, who was really solid coming back. He had the face mask on. He's carrying injury. He was great. Jesse Wagstaff, whatever we think of Jesse, he's been around for a long time. Um, Really, really impressed with the Perth Wildcats, really impressed with their attention to detail on the defensive end especially, and clearly that's been a point of emphasis for John Rilly. Uh, he was on record of saying he knew what he had last year and it wasn't a defensive lockdown team, but there's been so much effort going to the Perth Wildcats on the defensive end this year was really, really noticeable. Just curious, so you've, you've changed when the Wildcats signed Alex Saar, you were worried about who was around to teach him? You, yep. you've 
changed your views? Sorry, I, 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 I haven't changed my views on who's around to teach him. Yeah. He'll be there to compete against Keanu Pinder. I wouldn't put Keanu Pinder in the category of this is a mentor for a young kid, but what I've seen now with Alex Saar is his composure beyond his years. He's now on the defensive end and his timing and floor position to whether he's guarding the ball or guarding away from the ball to be able to meet it at the rim. Uh, I can't see anybody other than him leading the league in blocks this year, even if he only plays 20 minutes a game. He's a three, four blocks a game in 20 minutes a game guy. Um, he doesn't have a post, a, a roll it into the post repertoire, but they're not looking for him to have that. But what he is is a guy who'll run the lane really, really quickly, which I absolutely love. And he'll finish at the front of the rim when his man steps off to help. So the mentor part doesn't concern me as much having now seen him in person as where I see his skill development going and where he's already at. You talked about the defensive side of the Wildcats. For me, what is the biggest noticeable difference from what we've seen from the Wildcats in the last couple of years to this season so far is they've got a post target that they can throw the ball into that isn't revolved around Bryce Cotton. Um, obviously, you said defensive. I said you spoke about the defensive side of oh, things. Oh, sorry. Right, right, right. <clears throat> the biggest difference that I saw in the way that the Wildcats play is they had an option away from Bryce Cotton that they haven't had for the last couple of years uh, in an inside target. And so what Keanu Pinder allows Bryce Cotton to do is probably find his rhythm in the game. I've sat courtside for the Wildcats for the last two seasons, and I've seen how hard Bryce Cotton's had to work to get points. Um, if you have someone like Pinder who... He's a little bit undersized, but his quickness to be able to rip past a defender, um, it doesn't allow the defense to load up as much on Bryce Cotton as what they had in the last two seasons. Uh, Saar, awesome prospect. Really looking forward to watching him all season long for all the reasons that you pointed out. He's really given them a rim protection where they have not had that in the last couple of seasons either. Um and then Ty Webster was the other one that looked good. Yeah. Like, we hadn't seen that Ty Webster in a Wildcats uniform yet, but he was having a bit of fun out there. He was, uh, he looked composed. And the Wildcats, they looked, they looked pretty damn good. And we know that, I think we both had him as a top four sort of contender this year. Um, the Blitz absolutely uh, verified that for me. Agree 100%. Uh, moving on, the, the, the team whose next star uh, didn't play, uh, the New Zealand Breakers, Mantas Rabstabicius. Nailed it. We'll go, with, we'll go with that. I didn't get it right last year. I won't get it right this year. Um, they were the one who was really hard, really, really hard to get an evaluation of. Um, their import, Jackson Cartwright, was really solid. Uh, Chetham was really solid, but... You know, no Will McDowell-White, who I think will be one of the absolute biggest watchers in the NBL this year, didn't play at a broken wrist. He'll be out or a broken hand. 
he'll be out for the first three weeks of the season. I don't think we're really going to understand what the breakers are until we see their full roster. And having seen the level of talent and ability across the league, they find themselves in a really interesting position where they're missing their starting point guard for three to four weeks. Uh, you know, Liafa will come in and, and assume that role, I, I, I assume, for most of it. But their season could hinge on how they're able to carry the load before their stars get back, next star and actual star. Um, I don't have a read on them, but did you see much of the breakers through the blitz? Yeah, um, really like their imports. I, I, I like both of them. Uh, I like Cartwright for his ability to get into the paint. Uh, he looks like a well-rounded player to me. Uh, and cheat them is going to be a cheat code. And a few of those dunks that he threw down was unbelievable. And while your eyes are there, then you forget that they've got Justinian Jessup, who knows the league well and will play his role well. I think what it comes down to is what are they going to get out of Finn Delaney? I agree everything that you said about Will McDowell White. He is going to be the guy for them this season, and they're going to miss him in the first couple of weeks. I think there's some expectations on Flynn, Finn Delaney and what he is going to bring to the table. And I wasn't sure that I was... Yeah, I, I saw what I needed to see out of him for them going forward. Uh, like you said, you, you think that their season could be up in the balance based on those first three weeks. I think they're going to be one of those teams fighting for the playing spots. Um, and I believe that's based off good coaching. They've got a great coach and uh, he gets them to play hard and they get them to play together. And some of their actions that they had, I, I, they played unselfish basketball. I really like it. And it's hard for me to not like the New Zealand breakers and what they're building there. Five points two points and off the top of my head, 15 points for Fendelaney. So it's to be really successful in this league and to become a star. And I think we agree that Fendelaney has the potential to take the step to be a star in this league. There needs to be consistency. Well, that, that uh, I know we play positionless basketball now, but that sort of that four-man spot has become really pivotal, pivotal in the NBL over the last couple of seasons. I think when New Zealand signing him back, thought that that was a position for them to shore up and to look better at than last season, trying to take that next step than what they did last year. And um, it's hard to tell, far from being in shape all the time, but he didn't look you look his normal springy, springy self that we've known him in the NBL in years past. So you're a foreman in the league. You were a foreman in the league. You've had imports come and go at, at the Kings, at United, at the Blaze. Um, at the Taipans, at, at everyone. At the Taipans, at the Tigers. I know you ran out of time. I thought we ran a time schedule. Um, but what, uh, outside perhaps your rookie year, but even from year two and three when you establish yourself in the league and Finn Delaney plays a similar position to you, 
even in the preseason, if you want to take that next step, you can't have a game where you have two points or five. I mean, is that too harsh on the kid? No, no. I think expectations of what people expect for you, especially someone of his caliber. Um, I guess as coaches, you're a little bit harder on the people that you expect more from. I think as we sit here today, as people analyzing the game and people that enjoy watching basketball, when they signed him back, I thought that's a that's a really important piece for New Zealand uh, to take a step forward this season. Uh, but what I saw in the preseason, yeah, you, you can't have those sorts of games from you from that key position local player. Um, imports are always an important part, but equally as important is the local talent that you surround them with. And uh, if New Zealand are to make the play-in or the playoffs, they really need a good season out of him. The Tasmania Jack Jumpers sit, I think, in a very similar conversation. And it's really interesting that from the minute the Jack Jumpers entered the league, I was in the band where I always felt they were overachieving. I thought Scott Roth did an incredible job with the roster they had to get them to a championship series, to get them to a playoff series. And they entered this blitz and you just watch and you expect more of them this year. And they're going to be a really hard out on any given night. Uh, Milt Doyle's back, which I think is a huge signing. Jack McVeigh's back, Krizlovich is back. They, you know, they've got some consistency in their lineup. Even when you look down the bench, Drimic, Bearstone, McDonald, these. And Marcus Lee was one that, when he came to Melbourne United and helped them out at the back end of the year, I think the league saw what he could do in his value. And that was a really savvy signing for me. But the Jack Jumpers aren't going to be a team that depends on one import or, or one Aussie or a whole bunch of top-end talent. But of all the teams that, that lacks perhaps that absolute top-end talent, I'm confident that they're going to, like they have in their first two years of existence, figure out how good they are and be right there in the mix when playoffs, play-in, playoff. Basketball rolls around at the end of the season. Similar to you, I was huge on the signing of Marcus Lee. I thought that was a really good signing and I thought he made a lot of sense for that Jack Jumper team as well. Uh, they've played the first couple of seasons shorthanded in that centre position. Uh, Will Magnet constantly been injured. He's not there again to start the season. Um, and Fabian Kristovic has played above and beyond what anyone probably expected from him when he first signed at, at Tassie. Um, when you've got Marcus Lee and you've got Milton Doyle, I think you've got two really solid imports that are capable of doing um, damage on any night. We know that Milton Doyle's a first-team All-NBL. Uh, what we saw out of Marcus in the back end of the Melbourne United season, he became, what, a consistent 15 and... 12 to 15 rebounds a guy game as well. Um, they're just a team that you just can't write off 
till till they're not in the like calculations anymore. Um, Drimmick's going to be the interesting one for me. I think he becomes the real X factor for this team. We know what Jack McVeigh can do uh, and how he can help. We know that they've had their role players, but Drimmick has always been their guy on the team. If he plays well, the team wins. Whether it was at Adelaide or whether it was at Brisbane, if he plays well, the team wins. If Scott Roth can find consistency in his game, then Tassie become a lot bigger of a threat to a lot of teams just on how hard they play and getting another scoring avenue from a wing player that's not an import. They were really, really impressive through this tournament. They didn't have Will Magnay, and that's just another element that they had early into the season. Um, we're, I, I think we've both been really, really high in our praise of the Cairns Taipans over the last couple of years with what Aaron Ford's been able to do with the roster, but... Not only that, with his ability to recruit talent. Um, maybe my favourite moment of being at the Blitz was I found myself sitting alongside Bobby Clintman after one of his games and I'd watched him play his first two and I sat next to this kid and... I'd spoken to Sam Vecini a little bit, who we've had on this podcast in season one, and understood his evaluation. And from what he tells me, that Bobby Clintman's projected to go to be drafted in this year's draft anywhere between late teens and mid second round. And then I watched the kid play, and he's incredibly balanced. He reads the game well, he plays good off ball defense, he's got great length. But I sat next to him and we chatted. And it's been a long time since I've been so impressed with such a young kid and his perspective on the game, his global inquisitiveness and knowledge of people who walk past him. You know, he knew who Luke Longley was. He knew who Ray Borner was. He introduced himself to me and clearly he's got an understanding of the league but the game as a whole and I, I don't know, I, before I even talk about the Taipans, from, he was just a kid that on a personal note I'll follow as, as closely as any of these next stars, maybe outside of Ariel Huckporty when we get to him because I've been around him for a bit but I'm really excited for this kid because he seems like a really, really genuinely good human being. I wouldn't expect anything else from a Adam Ford system of who they recruit and who they bring in. Um, they've, they've seemed to have built themselves a nice, strong culture up there. Um, the word fun gets thrown around a lot with the Taipans and I think, I forget who said it, it's not meant to be in a disrespectful way. Like, they're just joyful to watch. They, they, you want to root for them, you want to go for them because they're the so-called underdog in every game that they play. It, these young kids having a go, they've still got Tajir McCall to throw into the mix. We saw a little bit of Taron Armstrong and what he's going to do. Bobby Clintman being young, the two Sams, 
there's there's a lot to like about this Taipans team. I think they're going to have their games where they're going to be beaten on sheer talent alone uh, because I feel like the NBL as a whole has picked up in talent this season from last season. But there's going to be games if they play hard and play with that free spirit that Adam Ford gives them, they're going to give a, a whole lot of teams a whole lot of trouble this year. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to not only Bobby Klimmer, but Taron Armstrong and watching him develop his game. Taron Armstrong, and, and even I spoke to Liam Santa Maria, who, as most people who listen to this would know, is in charge of the NBL's Next Star program. And uh, Taron Armstrong was clearly a target of the Next Star's program. But because they'd already signed Bobby Clintman, no team can have two Next Stars. So clearly he would have fit right into that category. But based on exactly what you said, the recruitment of Adam Ford and the culture of the Taipans, even without a next star contract, it was still the right place for Taron Armstrong. And I hadn't seen him in a number of years since he played against, and for me when we had the under-20s, was Josh Josh Giddy, Dyson Daniels and Taron Armstrong. It was those three kids and then everyone else after a gap. Terrence still really, really impressive. He, he, I, I really look forward to seeing him. He, in speaking to some NBA guys up there, who's even snuck in the late first round in some of their minds as it sits right now. Um, but see him as being a really, really valuable piece. Um, Can I, um, set- just, just before we move off, Taron, he's been on scouts' radar since college like this is in the second round yeah but even his freshman year um there was questions around like scouts could see that there was something special there uh american scouts not australian scouts i think australians have they've been closely linked to him or been around him knew how good he was he's going to be but even the college scouts were very very high on him and the thing uh, you spoke about Bobby Clintman and his like uh, his global reach and who he knew and all that. I look at Taron Armstrong and I'm like, he looks like a guy that's been in the league for a couple of years already and settled. He does. Uh, he makes a lot of great reads. He's not going to be your 20-point player, but if he sits around that 7-7-7 seven, seven, seven mark, he becomes really valuable for his team. Which poses a question, where does that leave Miller? Because Well, I, I was about to say that the, the two other players I wanted to mention, Sam Menenga, young New Zealand kid that I was keeping a very, very close eye on, I like a lot. Big, strong body, another young kid uh, in that Taipans program. But f- for me, Patrick Miller's the one where I can't quite place how he's going to help them. Um, especially when Taj McCall comes back because he can't shoot at a lick. He's undersized. He's a, a big, strong body and clearly a very good player. But with the team they've assembled around him, I messaged you during the, I messaged you during the blitz saying, I don't think he's the answer. And it was a game he had 21 points. But 
I'm just not sure he fits that program. Having said that, I'm not sure the Taipans are in the habit or in the business of cutting imports. They they go through seasons with guys they commit to. But if they're ever going to do it with Taj McCall, with Taran Armstrong, I just don't quite see how Patrick Miller fits on the Taipans. I had a thought, and it... Um... If they were to cut Patrick Miller, would you go after Tyler Cook to shore up the back court, uh, the the front court of the Taipans? No, I wouldn't, because I believe Southeast Melbourne are going to sign him for the rest of the season. Hmm. We'll get to which that. leads us beautifully onto our next okay. our next team, the Phoenix. Um, he was really, really impressive. He he was lightning quick. He goes left a lot. He rebounds well. And so good was he that the guy's name he replaced escapes me. Um, uh, who was his injury replacement off the Alan top Williams. of your head? Alan Williams. Alan Williams can't do half of the things that Cooks can do. Cooks, to me, when you watch him, and, and I know I understand that there are, you know, he's got Mitch Creek as a teammate. Um, you know, he's got Gary Brown as a teammate. These are guys who are exceptional talents. But Cook is a, the, the type of guy through his skill level who puts himself into... I don't want to go too early and say MVP consideration, but he's one of the most impressive. He was one of the most impressive athletes and players at the Blitz. So are you saying, so are you going to it, say they're going to keep him and cut Alan Williams? I would every time over. And and I believe they will. He's so impressive be, that my son is yelling at me that he's got Tyler Cook in his fantasy team right now. They, so do I. I no, I've, I've, got, I've got Tyler Cook in my fantasy team. And I think the Phoenix would be crazy to bring back Alan Williams if Tyler Cook wants to stay. Yeah. Um, interesting because Williams was such a good cultural part of what the Phoenix were last season and obviously made a good enough impression for them to want him to bring him back. Um, he worked his ass off. Absolutely. But he's limited. He is Limited Tyler, compared Tyler to Cook, Tyler Cook. Tyler Cook's unlimited. Interesting. Uh, if I was to, we're not far from, well, what are we, Thursday with the season starts yeah. and he'll play game one. Yeah. Uh, I'm rolling with Tyler Cook for the season. Anyway. Um, that I mean, I'm just sitting here a bit stunned at the moment because I thought, we're only going to get a limited piece of the pie of this Tyler Cook guy, and I was wondering what other teams could actually. So, so go back. If the Phoenix, in my mind, misstep, yeah, and release him to bring Alan Williams back, poh, pick a team, any other NBL team, they should be lining up. Do you think in Adelaide would be in this conversation? with a released import right now 
I know they've come out and said that they want an import point guard. They've got Isaac Humphreys there, who we know has been hampered by injuries in the past. That You're right. Any team would be lucky to have him. Um, I'm not sure there's a team I, I, in the I NBA don't, who I wouldn't... don't think the Phoenix will part with Alan Williams. I'll bet you a slab. Well, every time you bet me, it means you know something already, so... Okay, so I'll bet you a slap. <laughs> um, can we talk about the, the rest of the Phoenix before we move on? Um, their size in their guards was noticeably small. We've got a few smaller guards in the, in the league this year in New Zealand, in Tasmania, but especially the Phoenix with Brown, Cummings, Foxwell, Ben Air. It's a really small guard group. And um, yeah, I, it, it intrigues me where they like where they go with that. All the Cummings, you're muted. Um, you're muted still. But uh, it's, it's not just a really small guard group, it's a really small team. Yeah, Mitch Creek's not a big four, and he's going to play there a lot. Um, but the, the thing that concerned me with the Phoenix, and they had two really good wins, but their wins were dependent on Gary Brown's you know, multi-dribble step-back three. They, they were dependent on Cummings making... Essentially, their talented players were required to create shots in ISO situations to win games. That's not a sustainable model for success. Um, Their guards are small. Um, They need. Having said that, Mitch Creek had a really limited role in this blitz and. He's an MVP candidate every time he sets foot on the floor in the NBL until he's not. This year he will be, but it, it they didn't instill me with the confidence that some of the other teams did to be consistently good. They're going to beat some teams. And I think Gary Brown, when you run your eye over all the teams is the guy that they're going to go to down the stretch. Mitch Creek will do what he does, but it's going to be Gary Brown. If he makes shots, they'll beat some teams because he hits some really tough ones, but he takes a lot. Can I ask you your thoughts on Cummings? I think he's a really, really, really good third import. If they've got Tyler Cooks, Tyler Cook, not sure of him as a second import in the back uh, in the backcourt with Brown if they've got Alan Williams. What did you think? Yeah, I wasn't noticeable enough. Um, I think he came in with pretty big wraps of what he was supposed to be there for and be there for the shooter, similar to what Trey Kell was supposed to be there for the Phoenix last season as their shooter. Um, their shooter is Reese Vegas, it stands. 
and and Gary Brown but and off Gary the Brown off the dribble. Um, yeah, I, I I want to see a bit more from him going forward, and obviously it's always the balance when you got three imports of how do that how does that fit? The, the third person always gets probably judged the harshest out of the three. And look at the big three at Miami. Chris Bosch always got judged the harshest or Kevin Love did. Um, maybe I'm in the same boat judging Will Cummings harsher. So, so, with, so but without even knowing, and this is one I have no idea about, mm-hmm. and we don't know this, and it's one of the reasons why I'd love for the NBL to make public player salaries. I don't know what he's on compared to the other imports. Yep. If it turns out that he's on 60 grand and the others are on 200, he's incredible. If he's on 250, no good. So I, I, I think we, without knowing that, it's really, really hard to give an honest assessment. Um, let's move on. Illawarra. I, there's one player that I had no idea existed before I got to the Gold Coast. And I watched this player game one and I thought, yeah, okay, yeah, really good. As I watched him game two and game three, and as I found myself in conversations with these NBA guys, genuinely, Lachlan Ulbrich has catapulted above a number of the next stars as a 19-year-old kid who comes in with a lock of flowing blonde hair. He looks like he's walked in off his surfboard. The absolute story in my mind and the standout of the NBL Blitz was Lachlan Ulbrich, who nobody knew existed. And if you talk about what the next star program does it brings people to watch games so if you're on the court if you're on the same court as the next star you'll be seen this kid you want to see these scouts scrambling tripping over themselves researching asking everyone in the stadium tell me more tell me more um just an incredible blitz for a kid i've never heard of six foot ten athlete can handle it can shoot it finishes well around the rim is picking guards in the backcourt off and laying it up I don't don't know what you saw of him but before we get to the rest of the Hawks how this is such a small it's such a small sample size but I'll tell you what there's NBA the NBA is now watching Lachlan Ulbrich um Sometimes it's nice being friends with Daniel Moldovan. And he told me about two years ago that this kid is going to be very, very good. And uh, I forget who it was. I want to say it was Ben Fitzsimmons. When Lachlan signed with Illawarra, it's like, I can't believe Adelaide let another one go because he was a DP for Adelaide two years ago uh, before he went to college. And... Uh, everything that I'd heard about his game and what he was exceeded my expectations watching him on on the court. And you're right, 
he probably was the story of the Blitz. Now, uh, Alex Saar still has the higher upside out of all the next stars uh, in this situation. But as far as who was the best youngster at this tournament, it was Olbrich. He was the best young player out on the court. And um, not only that, just efficient in what he was able to do. You you talked about ripping guards in the backcourt and, you know, he had a, what, an eight for eight game and a, a seven from nine or something or an eight from ten game as well. Like, he was really, really good. And what he was able to do uh, in the NBL one season was knock the three ball down at 43% as well, which will come uh, in the NBL as well. Um, his challenge moving forward, like he said, small sample size, but he's not an unknown commodity anymore. Uh, people know what he's capable of doing. Uh, I just like that he's, he's got this really nice slow step about him. Um, and Joey Wright was the best at teaching individual talent this slow step. But, he's got time. But he, he makes time and he makes people look he, – he makes people look like they're going faster than what he is and then he's able to stop and create space and his little floaters and, and little runners and stuff like that. Uh, huge tournament for him. Illawarra as a whole, I, I mean, I'm a fan of Jacob, the coach. Um He's been in gorgeous shadow for so long and finally got the reins last year. He had a team that, what, they have three wins or something last year, but were competitive as hell in majority of the games, especially in the back end, uh, which I think says a lot about him as a coach. Um, they dealt with a lot of injuries. We're going to see more of Justin Robinson this year, which we were robbed of last year, who yeah. I think is an unbelievable player and point guard. Uh, who's going to be special for him. We know what Tyler Harvey can do. We hope that Sam Froling can take the next step in his uh, evolution as a basketball player. I, I like Illawarra. I don't think they're, they're going to be a playing team, but I just think they're going to be that scrappy team that is always going to be there. I agree. I was about to say, I thought you were getting into them being a playoff team, or but no, I, I see them... Being exactly that, I agree with Justin Robinson, Tyler Harvey's first year in the league. I think a lot of us wanted to, wanted to see what he was like without the ball in his hands, and we get to see that with Justin Robinson. But, you know, when you look at them and you compare their absolute top-end talent to some of the other teams combined with size, they're just a little bit off what it's probably going to take to, to play in the playoffs this year. Um the Brisbane Bullets were another team who were a hard team to figure out. Uh, new coach Justin Schuler, our, our mate DMAC, is up there with him. Um, they look slow. You know, Nathan Sobey in the full court is one of the quickest end to end guys in the league. But when they're not on the break, they look slow. Aaron Baines, um, uh, Shannon Scott, Smith, Norton, Terrell Harrison, Matt John, Sam McDaniel, White Hat, you know, Rocco Zakarski is an incredibly exciting next star talent. And one I probably should have bought up earlier than as we have with the other teams, but 
Rocco has at least two years in this league before he's draft eligible and will be a first round draft pick and he's extraordinarily exciting. But it, it's hard to see them matching the foot speed of some of the other athletic teams that we saw up there. And, you know, with, with Sobi in the full court, that's fantastic, but he needs running mates to go with him. Um, you know, DJ Mitchell, we've seen before, really solid, but no one that sends, you know, not someone that sends shivers down an opposition spine. I, you know, great to see Aaron Baines back and healthy. He had a 2020 game while he's up there, and we know exactly what he does, but, you know, that big body, ironically, is probably more valued in the international game, perhaps, than what it is in the NBL when the season gets rolling. I've got a different view to you on this one, I feel. Um, I don't think they can play fast. Not They don't. You're they right. didn't, they they didn't, can't. They didn't build their team around having quick players. What they struggled with last year was a bunch of turnovers, unnecessary turnovers of trying to play quickly, um, where they've brought in Shannon um, Scott this season to be able to be that point guard who be able to run an offense. And if you look at the way that uh, the other teams have built themselves, you look at what Sydney Kings have done over the last couple of years have been that running gun sort of team, the way that uh, Perth is currently built in uh, a lot more fast paced than what they've been previously. I think Melbourne are looking a lot more fast paced than what they've been previously. Brisbane, in a long-term picture, I think are basing themselves on let's be a really solid defensive team and get a good shot, which is quite the opposite of what we saw last year of no defense, play faster, more turnovers. And so I quite enjoyed what they did this offseason. I quite enjoyed the way that they play their game. I always had this conversation with Aaron Fern up in Cairns. I said, we don't have the talent that the Melbourne Uniteds were able to bring in. If we were going to get an import and they were going to get an import, if we got an import in the same spot, their import was going to be better than ours based off dollar value. Sure. What Brisbane have done is, well, if all these teams are trying to win basketball this way, we're going to try and win basketball this way. You get to be proven, but at least I, I like that they're giving it a chance. And, and I think they've brought in the right people. I think Shannon Scott is the right person for that team to be able to control it and be able to get uh, Sobe more looks and get them more open. I thought they were a better team when Jason Kadee was running the point last year than Nathan Sobe. Agreed. And so... I really liked what they did this this preseason blitz, and I could see an identity, which I think is also important for a team that, quite frankly, sucked last year. At least I can see an identity of what they're trying to build for the future, and that that part I liked. They're going to be an interesting watch, um, a really interesting one for me, and a, a team closest to home for me, Melbourne United. The, the, the two players who stand out instantly were Matthew Delavadova 
his level of fitness and his almost mindset to remind everybody that I can score. I, I can average 25 a game if I need to. It was almost a bit of a screw you to the boomers. It felt like it, it may not have been, but that's what it looked like to a lot of people there. Um, As did Baines' 2020, in my opinion. It, absolutely, it did. Um, but Ariel Huck-Porty was the other one that he's been here now. This will be his third year. And he came with incredible raps. His physicality, he's the most, he's the strongest, most athletic big here in the league. His finishes at the rim, his speed up and down the floor, he clearly reminded NBA scouts of what he's capable of. And now that his body's right, I see him being a really big part of what United do. But, you know, United are going to start this season with one import. And what they've gone and done, Chris Golding, Shaili, Matthew Delavadova, Luke Travers, Ariel Huck-Porty, Brad Newley, Rob Lowe, Krebs, Flynn Cameron, um, they go 9 and 10 deep with exceptional talent. And Import, who played the last game, Sydney Young, Mental Blank, Ian Clark, um, without him even playing the last game against Sydney. But they are really, really capable of beating anyone in the league with their current roster and have the added bonus of if any player on their roster goes down, they can replace them with an Import which puts them in a really, really solid position to be competitive from game one and position themselves as the season goes on with the best insurance policy, a better insurance policy than anyone else in the league has. But um, And with the news that Joe Lowell Chill could be back sooner than what we thought, as well, and, like and, that. and that and that just takes away Rob Lowe's role, who I thought was really solid. Who was really no solid JLA. last year as well, but you're going to have JLA, um, right? Really liked Melbourne and what they did this off season. Um, obviously, Delhi was exceptional throughout the Blitz. Probably unlucky not to be the MVP of the Blitz as well. If you, <laughs> uh, from what I saw and and his ability. The one thing that United have is guards that can lock down other guards. Um, they've probably now found themselves probably the better, best two-way guards in the league. Um, with Delhi, yeah, absolutely. Um, which, when you put that alongside Ariel Haporti's rim presence. And ability to run the lane, um, they become really, really dangerous. I'm being selfish here when I say this, but I want more from Luke Travers. Him leaving Perth to go to Melbourne United was on the back of Dean Vickerman's ability to get more out of Luke Travers and more consistency in my mind. And I think it was the necessary move that Luke needed to make to get out of WA because he was 
he was comfortable in his role and what they they wanted him to do well, but he was okay if he didn't because they still had Bryce. He had some good moments throughout the Blitz, but I just feel like he's that one guy and he's he's slowly creeping into this Todd Blanchfield career where the P word's always going to be hovering around him. Like he's got a lot of potential, uh, but doesn't quite take that. And that's maybe unfair yeah. because Todd Blanchfield was really good in Perth as well, by the way, a couple of seasons back. But I just want more out of Luke Travis. Sure. So I agree. But if you want more out of Luke Travis or if Luke Travis wanted more out of himself, why didn't he go to Illawarra? The last place to go is to United where they're 10 deep. I don't – I get the paycheck. I get all of that. I, and I, I get getting out of Perth. But, you know, when you've got, again, Chris Golding, Matthew Delavadova, well, yeah. You know, but but you, I'm, Clark, I'm asking him to play more of a Jack White role. Not a. I don't necessarily. I don't need him to be a scorer, but I need him to influence the game on the defensive end, through rebounding, through deflections, through block shots, the same as what Jack White was able to bring for Melbourne United. That was my vision when he signed with Melbourne United. I was like, if he can, if Dean can get Luke Travers to play more like Jack White, that will go a long way to Melbourne United winning a championship this year. The, the the biggest difference as it sits right now between Jack White and Luke Travers isn't the ability to do something. It's the consistent ability to do something. Correct. Jack White does it every single possession on both ends of the floor. Correct. That's why he's in the NBA. Luke Travers doesn't. He still cruises for periods in the game. Correct. And he can... Aff- and the thing that concerns me, he, he can afford to do that at United because they're going to win games anyway. I don't think he can. I think I, for Melbourne United to win a championship, I, I, he needs to be consistent. He'll have he'll still have JLA, Huck Porty. He'll have people around him. I, I, yeah, I agree. But his step is not the ability, it's a consistent ability. The X factor, uh, we, I know we're talking pre-season right now, but when we're talking about the season, it always comes to an X factor in the finals. To me, that is Luke Travis and his role on the defensive end for Melbourne United for them to win a championship. If he's great on the defensive end, if he gets, uh, he, and he should be, around 10 rebounds a game. If he can block a shot or two, but change a couple as well, if he can get the deflections and play defense, they are so much harder to play against. Yeah. I just I just expect more. I want, I want more because I know there's more for him to give. The Sydney Kings are defending champions. They went through the blitz without DJ Hogan for a large part without Jalen Adams. And they were still really, really impressive with their talent and their depth. Um, 
you know, as much as anything. And as you sit there, you think, God, they're great. And you look down the bench and you think, wow, that that's a well-balanced, extraordinarily talented roster. Um, Jalen Galloway for me was really, really impressive and actually in that Luke Travers mould where you look at him and you think, all right, this is what we saw from Luke Travers two years ago and this is someone who's going to have a really, really big impact. Denzel Valentine, I was sitting next to a couple of people and disclaimer, they're in the sports betting. And after two games, they looked at me and said, all right, honest opinion. Can Denzel Valentine win MVP of the NBL? I said, no, he can't. But the fact that he's in that thought with some of the things he does with highly intellectual people shows you the type of quality that they have. Angus Glover's solid, a big watch for me, and I thought he looked really, really good probably in front of where I expected him to be was Jonah Bolton. I wasn't sure what he'd look like after such a long period out of the game. And let's be really, really clear here in my opinion is that he didn't come back because he missed the game. He came back because Bitcoin crashed and he'd invested heavily and needs some money. So you wonder what his motivation is. But he was really, really ahead of where I thought he'd be for someone who'd been out of the game so long. And then Alex Tui is another really exceptional young talent who's been at the centre of excellence for a couple of years. And we saw him play genuine minutes with the Boomers in some of their preparation games before the A-team got there. But really, really excited to see this team and find it really – any other team will find it really difficult to knock the Sydney Kings off from winning three in a row. They're a hard team to judge right now. New coach, new system, missing their MVP point guard for the majority of the, the tournament. No DJ Hogue, who we know what he brings to the table. The interesting part for me in that is the style of play that they wanted to play, which was a very fast, up-tempo game. Luke Longley was speaking on the coverage uh, during it of what he, his vision of this team looked like and what they wanted, how they wanted to play, which was just very quick. Obviously, Jalen Galloway's got off to a great start and fit the mould of what they were going to do. I thought Denzel Valentine maybe a little bit too much over-dribble at time which is, uh, that's... They'll, they'll that, break that habit out of him, I feel. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it's probably that that symptom where the imports think they're going to come over here and just dominate the league from day dot and then realise it's a lot tougher than what they thought it would be. Uh, but with good coaching, like you said, those habits go. Um, outside of Jordan Hunter, they look small at times, um, which... Maybe they will get exposed. Maybe it won't. Don't know. Uh, there's a few teams that, that have bigs that could potentially look to wreak havoc there. You look at Brisbane with Baines and Rocco. Uh, look at what uh, Ulrich was able to do. Um, and Keanu Pinder as well being another one, like Hunter trying to guard a Keanu Pinder. Uh, and we should have mentioned in Perth that Perth are looking to bring in a four-man right now as well. 
Um, but they're just one of those teams where I think it's just going to be a bit of a slow um, slow build for them as they go through it. Their, their coach finds his feet. Uh, the players find their role in the system. DJ Hogue will be the interesting one. Obviously, they play this fast-paced style of game, and he's not a very fast-paced style of player. He's very cool, calm, collected. Someone who can put the like cans put the ball in his hands at the end of the game. They've got Jalen Adams and they've got Denzel Valentine. Um, it's going to be an interesting balance there, and how they figure about who is the person come crunch time as well. I think that's going to be a big question that Sydney's going to have to answer at some stage. So um, they look good. I think they're definitely going to be in the mix again as a two-time defending champion. Um, But, yeah, I think they've got a few things to figure out and obviously it's early days and I'm sure they'll get there as well. Is that all the teams? That's all the teams. We've covered them all off. Um, So so before we finish off, you were in the Gold Coast. That wasn't the Gold Coast. But I saw that you had an announcement for yourself. Not for yourself, but the new owner or a part owner, I should say, of the Taranaki Airs in the New Zealand Basketball League. Is that correct? Well, you knew this a few weeks ago, but no good. Yeah, no, it's uh Well, it's but there's a reason we've got a podcast, mate. It's to shamelessly plug the shit <laughs> of, of <laughs> no, what good. we do. No, look, no, I've been working with a group of in the Gold Coast Meteorite for over a year now, and we've been looking at basketball opportunities here in Australia and further abroad that we think we can positively impact. And... You, like I and others, know how great New Zealand basketball is and perhaps it's a few years behind where we are in Australia, but love the opportunity. We've been over there a few times. We've we've met the people. Um, It presented this incredible opportunity to get into ownership of a basketball club. Uh, Probably what I told you off air and by the time this comes out, and even if it's not, we can break it here, that we're really excited that in our tenure, our inaugural coach is going to be Sam McKinnon. And we went through a really exhaustive process up on the Gold Coast of interviewing head coaches both here in Australia and over in New Zealand. And it was interesting. I've got a very, very long relationship with Sam McKinnon. He's one of my really, really good mates. And he was someone who came to me when he heard about it and I removed myself from the voting process with him uh, because I, I felt that there was a bias and he was from his front office skills from what he was able to do in Brisbane and what he went through in Brisbane, but the very short period of time that he was head coach and we understood the story behind it now officially through his interview, but we knew as mates, but, Sam wants to be head coach and he's an exceptional coaching brain and basketball brain. And I think he needs to prove himself. Uh, and I'm really, really excited that the absolutely uh, 
the, the consensus, what's the word I'm looking for, was everyone was absolutely had him as the, the clear top pick was we get a chance to, to help him do that. Um, we're going to have exceptional talent around him over there and I can't wait to see the sort of team we put together. There's a lot of conversations we had in the Gold Coast. There's a lot of New Zealand talent uh, here in the NBL and there's a lot of Australian talent who we think can fit those import spots really nicely as well uh, before we go to the United States. So it's exciting. You can probably tell because I've rambled on uh, since you asked me about that, about that. but uh, I know we're talking about going over there. We'll, we'll spend some time. We'll watch some games and really, really exciting time to give the local community of Taranaki the, the quality of basketball team that they've seen glimpses of, but we hope we can give them consistently. Well, we've done the shameless plug for you. It's now time to do the shameless plug for me. Um, in three weeks' time, uh, you were around last year when I did it. Uh, I'm riding 200 kilometres or 210 k's for cancer again. It's part of the Macca bike ride that happens here in WA. Uh, I'm going to throw the link up on our on our socials. Um, obviously, uh, the reason I do the bike ride is because my dad is a you know, survived cancer twice now. Um, our close mate, Andrew Parkinson, has been going through it for four years. Uh, recently, uh, homicide has been with stage four colon cancer. Uh, a person who I knew uh, when he came to Australia, I knew him from my days in college before any, anyone else knew him and known him for a long period of time and what he's going through. Um, and you were good enough to be around last year as a, uh, I finished the 200. I actually, you, you, I had a beer with you after I did 110, and I was quite sore. And um, it's the one time where you get to step outside yourself, and you know it hurts, and you know that you're doing it for not yourself, but you're doing it for the people that have gone through the battle beforehand. And um, if uh, if you do have a bit of spare change and you can donate to it, we're trying to just raise a bit of money for it. So uh, we'll throw that up on the socials, but uh, it is a worthwhile cause and hopefully we can find a cure for, for cancer. And as our mate Park here says to my old man all the time, fuck cancer. We couldn't end this first episode on a better note. Um, well said, it'll be on socials. Great chatting were though. Please check out our socials. If you do have a couple of spare dollars, please donate. We'll chat to you all again next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys.